You have been selected. Say nothing and come with us. You are under my power. Look into the hypnotic eye. Time now to enter Mr. Lobo's domain. You must assume the position and pledge your allegiance. Repeat after Mr. Lobo. I, as initiated member of the Sleepless Nights of Insomnia and dedicated follower of the We Talk Games podcast, do solemnly swear to listen to the spooktacular, the whole spooktacular, and nothing but the spooktacular. So help me, Mr. Lobo. You may stand down. Here we go! You're not dreaming. This is the We Talk Games October Spooktacular 2017. I'm Mr. Lobo of Cinema Insomnia, and I've been a B-movie host for almost 20 years. Tonight's feature is Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. But first, turn down all your lights as we return to a darkened arcade in the late 1980s where electronic space invaders try to abduct all your spare change. Keep watching the skies for you cannot escape the planet of the robot monsters. Add coins to start. Thank you, Mr. Lobo. We almost didn't have Mr. Lobo this year. Hey, we, we, were, we were almost going to have to get Count Flagula. Can you imagine that? I am Wiggly. This is the show called We Talk Games Arcade Weekly, brought to you by your friends Freeze and No Money. Freeze, cold, chilling, young and fresh. Here we go. Let's kill this session. I am Wiggly. On the Skype pipe there is Nico Bun. Oh! Ooh. Boo, boo, boo. Don't have a boo, boo. Why you crying? Say boo to a bee. Boo, bee. Ha, ha, ha. This is work safe, I think. Yeah. So far. We're trying to go work safe again. See what happens. I think this game, we might be able to go work safe. Today, as you heard, we're going to be talking about the interplanetary SWAT team heading over to Planet X to run the S pattern, a synthetic industrial planetoid where you fight the reptilons. Why wasn't it reptilians? Uh, Reptilon sounds more robotic, and they look pretty robotic. They do look robotic, and they don't even look reptilian. Yeah, they look like bugs. Okay, let's talk about this game, Battle of the Network Planets. Well, first of all, let me tell you, destroy all robots. (laughs) Finally, we get to destroy the robots instead of destroy all humans. And it ruined one of my comic book characters who was a psychic, and her name was Sarah Bellum. But here you rescue Dr. Sarah Bellum, a doctor that likes to wear a bikini to work, evidently. Apparently everybody does. <laughs> this is this is the future science, minimal clothing. I, maybe it's for, like, reducing static. They're all working on electronics. I don't know. 
This is a joint where you rescue hobos and bikini girls that are standing around uh, trying to look busy. I'd like to congratulate the hobos for uh, once again becoming hostages later on in Metal Slug. Or maybe this happens first. I'm not sure. Oh, ah. that happened first. Well, they're a little bit different hobos, I think. These are clean-shaven hobos. Yeah, and the shirts are a little less tattered. They're more hillbilly hobos, these guys. We had uh, one of the creators of this game on, and this is a game made by Atari. So keep in mind that Atari games normally created by one person or a two-person team. <laughs> the opening graphics, all the cutscenes, beautiful, straight-up links, straight-up links. I realize a lot of people probably didn't play the links because you're youngins. Yeah, that's the handheld, right? Lynx is the handheld. It's touted as the first 16-bit system. Uh, this is going off my brain, which isn't awake yet. My cerebellum isn't online with the planetoids and the robots and the industrial plant guys. But it's a handheld. It was very long. It was a paddle. You could hit people with it and kill them. I have the original Lynx, and then I have the newer Lynx. And I have the carrying case and all the little chips that went in. It took chips. And once again, these were games that were created by one or two people. And uh, my favorite Lynx accessory is the battery pack, which is, I think, four or six D batteries that hang off your belt and pull your pants yeah. down. Yeah, all I remember of the links, I never had got my hands on one myself, but it, it was the one thing that could eat batteries faster than a Game Gear. Yeah, it was because it was backlit and it was color, but it was barely visible because the scan lines were so, you know, you, you, you see scan lines on your emulators. Oh, put some scan lines in. Wait a minute. I've never seen my television with that many scan lines ever. <laughs> Yeah, it was like scan Vaseline. It was <laughs> this was this was if you put scan lines on something, this is the system that you emulate to put scan lines on. And I do emulate this uh, system from time to time when I don't want to try to find my handhelds at the bottom of a giant handheld pile uh, that is in two giant tubs full of handhelds in in their like logoed branded carrying case for the sega game gear and i have two sega game gears so i could play sonic racing that's like the only game that's two-player the links actually had a lot of great two-player games and so many stinkers on the links so many stinkers but the games that were awesome were really awesome and most people love warbirds i always talk about the uh tomato splasher uh, which I always called Tomato Splasher because I can't remember the name of it. Squasherums? Squashies. Uh, there was, a, I think there was a Tetris that you did too. But the Robo Squash, Robo Squash, that's what it's called. <laughs> Robo. It's your hand and it's a tomato. Come on, Robo Squash. That's what the Lynx is. So the graphics for this would be the Lynx without scan lines. That's the type of cartoon nature it is. Very pretty looking. And the voice synthesis and the sound effects are lifted like right from Cyberball 2072. What year did this come out? This was uh, 1989. Oh, that's the same year Cyberball came out. Okay. Oh, there we go. Cyber Cyberball was sort of silent in the music area, which makes for a great atmosphere. We talked about Cyberball before, and the football is atomic. You don't have downs and things like this. You try to get it to that 50-yard line to defuse it, and then you try to get a touchdown to defuse it. 
or before it blows up and blows your guy up or blows up on the thing. So it's just really nice atmospheric, just uh, monotones going on. Whereas this has, uh, I would suspect, another chip that's dedicated solely to music. So this is an isometric view. You are Jake, the anthropomorphized marble madness ball that walks around like he has a stick up his ass with four frames of animation. And uh, that's sad, and we'll get into that later, but this game is stacked as far as what you could do, where you could go, uh, the different types of animation, the different things that happen to you, and we can talk about them all. So remember, uh, isometric, going around on tiles, you shoot with your laser gun, which has a limited reach, which I thought was interesting. And I'm going to get into a little bit of making mechanics. I don't have any years, but I'm going to say Robotron a little bit, but it's single stick. This is single stick and three buttons, I think, three buttons. Yeah, yeah. it's three. Yuck, three buttons. I guess they're needed, though. And I'm going to say Bomberman. Of course, he's coming in the future. Bomberman, anything after Bomberman 2, that's pretty much what you're looking at. Of course, in Bomberman, you're using bombs, but sometimes you get kicked a bomb at people, so that's sort of like a laser, not really. But... You fight the bosses at the end of the levels, and there's different obstacles to try to get through and things like that. And, uh, and Gauntlet is probably the closest thing to this as far as getting swarmed. So besides being a uh, stick-up-the-ass-walking-around guy, you are the human turret. What was the game that everyone <laughs> off about? Resident Evil 4 or 5? The one where you had to stop? Yeah. Uh, that was 4 was the first one they did that. Uh well, I think it's basically in most of them to some extent, but four was the one where it really stuck out because you've got that over-the-shoulder view, and it's just like, all right, stand here, shoot, shoot, you turn run. all the way around and stuff. Yeah, you had the quick turn still, but it was kind of annoying, but at the same time, it was partly to increase the tension and whatnot. Yeah, what are you going to do? You know, these are video games. You, you should be lucky that you could even see one pixel on it. Oops! You should be lucky you could even see one fudging pixel on a game right up your Hershey Highway. People don't understand how complex computers are. They're like, oh, my program doesn't work. You're using a typewriter to interface with a television that can make calls and you can look at things there's all these gooey interfaces going all around you have a isolated memory that doesn't screw up with other applications when one application crashes and just to get the first letter of coding in there this is people don't realize how complex these things are the hardware being able to talk to the software and you know we take it all for granted Oh, totally. And like nowadays, since a lot of them can fit in your hand, there's even more mm. going on. And with certain uh, ecosystems, it's not universalized. So everybody is just kind of fudging around each other and there's no universal set. So it's it's amazing. It is amazing. So let's take that into consideration. You got some type of making mechanics there, Chris? Uh, I did want to add, there's a bit of a hint of bubble bobble in there, actually, with the uh, the orbs that pop up. If you don't keep moving, uh, oh. there's a secondary patrol robot that'll come after you. It reminds me of, uh, I believe it's Baron Von Blubba, the ghosty whale thing that will eat your dino butt if you do not bubble your bobble fast enough. Indeed. This is a game I praised a lot back in the day when I when we talked to one of the people that helped work on it or was involved with it or so I can't remember that episode a long time ago when we used to interview 
big names. Yeah, if nothing else, visually, it's uh, really stunning. Like uh, the colors, uh, the destructibility is a really nice touch too. Oh, like, yeah, it's a, it's kind of ahead of its time. But I, it took me a while to realize I had to crouch to uh-huh. shoot things. But uh, bombing stuff was taken out just whole swaths of computer banks and other machinery. Uh, the aesthetic is pretty dead on to uh, classic 50 sci-fi, although some liberties are taken. Like, I don't know why you, uh, the second tier of Sentry robots are basically the paddle boards you would use in swimming class when you were six. But... I have got to talk about them. First of all, there's a lot of repeats of robots here. Let's talk about the two main larger robots. You have the larger warm gray or red, and I think later blue robots made out of cardboard boxes. And then the other is this awesome slim and wide, like you mentioned, styrofoam surfboard, which I call Exoman, the Exoman robot with the giant face, and he's orange and blue. The robots made of boxes walk around and the Exoman double balls you out of his uh, hands. And yeah, but he can't he can't change the angle of the shot, so you can just duck it no matter what. Mm. He's got very stubby arms. Yes, he does. But do you know Exo Man? I'm not ringing a bell. Well, I recommend that you watch that because that was a movie of the week that I loved as a kid. And, of course, I got to see it maybe once in the 70s and then not until much, much, much in the 20s, the 200,000s whatever years these are called. I didn't want to say ot. See? I was, I was just to about to say ot. that. but Yeah. Yeah, and then I would have had oh. to kill you. All right. Skype allows that now. Oh, yeah. It just works to kill people. Yeah, nothing else works, but the murder, <laughs> on point. Yes. So you have turn gates, you have spikes, you have ladders, you have escalators, you have electric floor, blo- blo- electric floor blobs, blocks, you have switches, that uh, start the escalators or start the other things. You had food cabinets. You have bomb cabinets. You have question mark boxes that contain goodies or other tiny robots. And you have the portomatic. It was really nice that uh, the game actually explained most of the things, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the only thing, it tells you how to get bombs, but I didn't realize how to use them for at least a run and a half. I'm like, oh, press everything. Yes, dumbest, dumbest control for that. Why not just your jumping duck or duck? There's, what are the... Oh, what are the three buttons? Uh, it's There's run, jump, shoot? duck, and shoot. Yeah, okay, okay. So you have a, a duck button and a jump button. So you could duck, you could jump, and you can run. And then sometimes you can get super speed from different things. And like I said, once you start shooting, you're just standing in place, shooting around in a circle as you turn the joystick. And then the dumper bombs, they dump right around you. And they're, they would be a mushroom clouded, but you're the mushroom. Yeah, it pretty much just replaces your uh, area on the screen. It doesn't have that great a range either. No. I mean, you have to be, it's something has to be on top of you. Although I think it does give you temporary invincibility when you fire it. So, yeah, it's like. It's very fair with that. It's very fair with that. But these are monster swarms. And to get through this, you're going to be paying a pretty penny. I also like towards the end, there are these ape faced larger robots as well on tank treads. And they're carrying a steel pipe. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think I got that far. Yeah. I got to the the lesser uh, tanky drones that your jump finally comes into use besides going over the uh, energy panels. 
but I did not get to the ape pipe friends. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. A lot of creativity went into this. A lot of attention to detail, as you said, destructive environments, environments that you could destroy for uh, reasons. And points. Profit. For no reason. So reasons and no reasons. Another environmental thing I loved was the fact that uh, the edges of the stage are open in places, so you can kind of fall off if you walk too far, and then you have to kind of hammer the jump button to climb back up. Yes. Fantastic. There's another thing like that that happens as well. I know you can hammer the jump button to go faster up ladders and stairs. Oh, you can walk in walls and you get a little dizzy. It doesn't last very long, but that's a nice little effect as well as going, uh-oh, and, and bugs bunny in it off the side there until you grab back on and then climb back up. Yeah, I thought it was cute. You could also shoot uh, the hostages you're trying to rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice because they kind of give you like one shot and then like, uh oh, uh, you hit them a second time, they get vaporized. Yes. How you save these hostages is where you just walk into them and then they yeah, disappear. They're, yeah, they're teleported to your ship or whatever. Speaking of teleporters, have you watched the new Star Trek Enterprise called uh, Poly- the Discovery? Mutaline? Yeah, Discovery. I have not actually. Good show. I hear it as much. Like, I love the stills that I've seen. I just haven't had a chance to sit down with it. Yeah, man. I don't even want to talk about it. But what it did was make me have to start from the top of every single Star Trek version. So you got the original Star Trek series. You have the Next Generation. Oh, before Next Generation, you have the animated series. So I started watching the animated series as well, where they replaced Billy with uh, some alien-looking naked ostrich. I don't know what he is. <laughs> and then you also have that, that tiger woman, like that furry fetishes back then. So those came out, and they had the voices of the real Star Trek actors. And they had puzzles yeah. of that that as well. I have a couple of the puzzles, which were cool. They're hard to get through. But uh, doing those, I'm doing uh, Deep Space Nine, which is probably one of my favorite Star Treks next to the original series. I'm doing uh, Voyager. And we're not up to Jerry Ryan yet. So there's no tension on the set. And then I started really giving Enterprise a chance because Stinky evidently showed that Scott Bakula is the most famous Starfleet captain uh, of all, even surpassing Captain Kirk's. It's hard to beat out a guy who has put in that many years on a police show, jumping over hoods of cars. But um, Dude, T.J. Hooker is amazing. Yeah. And, and, oh, totally. And all his naked shirtless scenes holding in his belly. Come on. Yeah, I did a whole movie in Esperanto. I forget what it was called, but he did. Yes. Oh my gosh! I have yeah, got to watch machine. that. If it's... I could remember the name, I would pass it on. But just Google William Shatner and Esperanto, and you'll find out this movie. Definitely, it's too bad that that language didn't catch. I one time that was the most spoken second language of people. Yeah, that but... was like that, that, that was a good three months. <laughs> now it's really only. Sp- spoken by people who also speak hindi and things like still popular in india i guess but yeah i love um, the i love the idea of it it's just it wasn't really i started and of course i listened to esperanto orchestra so that really didn't help whatsoever because they sang in english fair enough <laughs> um, um yeah let's ds9 is probably my favorite i never actually spent any time with enterprise but uh, i play so much star trek online the uh 
past uh, season and a half uh, leading up till now in the game has been pulling stuff from there left and right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, all right, we got to watch this. We got to get back and let up. Yeah, I like Enterprise because, not that this game doesn't have enough to talk about, but I like Enterprise because you don't have your photon torpedoes yet. You have torpedoes. Shoot the torpedoes. Yeah. They're, they're almost like uh, submarine torpedoes. And the transporter, <laughs> nobody wants to use it because you end up with, you know, a tree inside you and stuff and uh, end up being turned inside out. So everyone's just shuttlecrafting around. So I really dig it. I really dig it. And, uh, of course, you, you have the um, Pula. Hey, listen, if you think I know the names of these people, forget it. I still it's think like Dr. T- Spock. It's Cacao, I think. Yeah, Cacao. Like, like Tapao, right in the kisser. Cacao, Cacao. Uh, so, yeah, so I've been getting into those. So when I eat lunch or breakfast or dinner... Um, it's a different Star Trek, and I'm I'm really digging it. And you know, I've seen all the Deep Space Nines, I've seen all the original series, but I, I got to tell you, I forget a lot of them. And although I hate certain episodes of the original series, like Charlie X, yeah, I watched it. Didn't like Charlie I, X. Didn't like the one bonk bonk on the head. Didn't like that. I'll watch him. I don't care. Yeah, I went back to the Next Generation uh, like a year ago, and mm. I didn't realize that. Uh, the whole episode with Tasha Yar and Data getting down is like two or three episodes into season one. I'm like, wait a minute. The naked that was now. quick. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It was the one where uh, Sulu's shirtless with the rapier. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, the this was the, yeah, this was the TNG. It was the naked something else. Yeah. The naked later. The naked, <laughs> indeed. The naked uh, a few days afterwards. Yeah, that was good. And then, like, she died, like, in episode five, which I just yeah. loved, you know? Just kill her. But then they let her return. Come on. Oh, yeah. And she's, she's big in the uh, game as well. They get a lot. They got a lot of uh, the original actors back, actually. Like, half the Voyager crew has been showing up. They just got uh, LeVar Burton back in as Jordy. Whoa. Hmm. I don't know anything about this. I got to check it out. Yeah, it's an MMO. It's kind of mediocre. The ground combat's nothing special. The ship combat's kind of nice, though, and there's a lot of ships you can get, and they finally made it so you can play Romulans uh, as well as Klingons and Federation, so that's kind of nice. And it's on consoles now, too. Pretty much anybody can get their hands on it. Okay, cool. Let's get back to Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. Another one of my favorite things, there are rolling pinball limpet mines in here. I love any game with limpet mines. And you fight bosses. So your first boss is this amazing mechanical clam head T-Rex. And I just think he was awesome. Oh, yeah. I loved all the Reptilon designs that I saw. I think I only fought one, but I did watch someone else play through some of the later stuff. And they're just really rad looking. Yeah. You're bombed. So that's where they tell you, you're bombed. And I'm like, how? I know (laughs) I should just press duck and jump together or fire and jump together. That's how I should use my bombs. I only have 87 of these, uh, but I because I haven't figured out how to use them yet. And then it does all three buttons. And then, wow, you do you do destroy the bosses a little bit easier. And it even helps out sometimes during a game because this game gets really hectic in maybe level 
three and four, you already start getting really overwhelmed and get swamped. But it's very fair on on how you get hit. Like some of these boxy robots, they don't hurt you very much uh, for a little while. Or I don't even know at all. I wasn't paying attention. There's so much shooting going on. The second boss is like a Doctor Who kind of multi-turret cylinder with a smaller tube in the middle. And then your third boss is the first boss and second boss wearing disguises. The clam face now has a three eyeballed ant head uh, mask on and the cylinder guy, I think he's wearing like a gold masquerade mask, <laughs> masquerade ball mask. Yeah, something like that. And then um, the hostages, which were originally called slaves earlier in the game, the women can now get turned into zombie robots, which are great. Yeah, they, they classic zombie arms straight out coming at you. The final boss I loved because he had the whole radiometer head in the in the jar and exactly. it kind of swapped between him and his buddy. Yes. And then they gave him a pile of guns under the head. They did. So, yes, he has the cylinder glass photon radiometer. It's okay. somebody's name radiometer technically, but yeah, it's a radiometer. Yes. Then the disguised stand head triclops boss, uh, number one. And then now you get a double stuffer. Doctor Who turret cylinder who has two lower different color cylinders with from boss to and then the photon face on top. Let's go back to Mr. Lobo to explain this game in two minutes what it took us 20 minutes to explain. You have been selected as a member of the interplanetary SWAT team. Uncle Nail Pattern Baldness wants you. Look at our telescreen. You can tell that's the Earth because there are no clouds and it looks like a globe from elementary school. An arrow indicates another sphere in our system. Planet X. A synthetic industrial planetoid, dash, 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 has been taken over by evil reptilons. There goes the neighborhood. The reptilons have enslaved humans stationed there. They are being forced to create an evil robot army designed to destroy Earth. And also, they're being forced to wear revealing swimwear. Your mission, colon, transport all hostages back to your ship. Destroy all robots. Rid Planet X of the evil reptilons. Find and rescue Professor Sarah Bellum before she catches cold in that space bikini. Get ready to collect gems and increase your Raygon power. You're gonna need it to escape the planet of the robot monsters. Always awesome, Mr. Lobo. Not enough bacula. Did you notice that? You can never have enough bacula, though, really. I think he forgot what we were talking about in the earlier segment. He probably turned us off at that time. You know, he really had to take time out of his schedule, and we're so thankful for that. And we're the only podcast that can say that Mr. Lobo does their Halloween episodes, and we're also the only podcast that has me. This is true. (laughs) So now it's the end of the game. You fought all those robots. They were difficult. The last level, well, we were talking about the final stage where you fight all these bosses in a row and a couple other zombie women. Right before this stage happens, and it gives you a long time to think about this, 
No continues in the final stage. It says you can load up your quarters, buy all the extra lives, buy all the extra bombs you can, because if you lose here, back to the top. It basically just shakes you down for the rest of your quarters and your friends' quarters, and if you could, like, elbow some guy. Hey, hey. We forgot to mention that this is a two-player simultaneous game. You could either be Jake or you could be add coins to join in. He's probably one of my favorite characters. Oh, yeah, I love him. His chin's a little wider. Sometimes his name is also Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Wait while you drive. Oh, we forgot about the speeder bike thing. Oh, my God. So what is the real name of the non-Jake guy, do you know? Duke, which may or may not be Nukem because he kind of looks similar Uh as in blonde, chin, and meaty. They're both kind of meaty, but he seems meatier. There are not only odd... There are not only odds. I mean, fart. There are not only nods to classic sci-fi horror and naked ladies. There's also nods to other video games in here. Teeny tiny ones, subtle. So let's talk about the most senseless part of this game. Steer your cyber sled through the canal mazes. Why? Because, I don't know, they wanted to jam the Jetsons car in there and then slam it into a wall a bunch of times. Speaking about Star Trek, that was like the first Star Trek, let's take this pod down to the surface of the Gorn or wherever they went. And it's just Jetson car with a giant, I mean, the the bubble head on it is gigantic. And it's so comical. And it's like, man, this is a very serious show. And they're driving around in this... (laughs) thing that looks like uh Bela Lugosi before he was two years from death would have been riding around in oh hey let me tell you something about Bela Lugosi always gave it a hundred percent no matter oh, how totally. crappy his role he was all in that man did work he did work more than enough work for all of us he did so we could all slack off now nobody has to act that ever again it's done <laughs> yeah what else about this game? I don't think there's too much more. Well, then, of course, after you fight all those bosses at the end, if you had enough money to buy extra lives and extra bombs to make it through the final stage of all the boss battles, you finally see Dr. Sarah Bellum, and there she is, chained up, wide open. Yeah, she looks just like every other lady slave, to be honest. And she's in her orange bikini, and then she's sort of... I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah. She's sort of like leaning over, giving you a hug, and leaning over with her bosoms just there. That's pretty much the uh, extent of the congratulations. Like, you did it. Here's boobies. Yeah. But goodbye. What kind of doctor? Dr. Feelgood, maybe. That's about it. Those robots are perverts. I'll just say that. Oh, totally. They like the hillbilly men, and they swing both ways to the bikini babes. They're ACDC. One side thing I really like before we uh, wrap this up is I love the cabinet for this because it's got kind Mm. of a cutout on the marquee section with a custom-shaped marquee that fits into it. It's pointy, and it's got a lady's head on the one side. Like, it's kind of coming out of the rectangle and curved up to obviously grab more attention for the game. But to be honest, it didn't really need it with the visual style and whatnot and the fact that the game pretty much yells at you from the attack screen get your i'm sorry get your butt over here and then get your butt to planet x yeah atari took a lot of time on their cabinets 
maybe more time on their cabinets than on the games, but this game shines through. Unfortunately, it is driven by the power of the Lynx, and that's the only sad part because it is really a masterpiece. I don't think you could get better of this type of game, which sort of doesn't really have a genre it fits right into. I mean, it is a shooter, but it's also exploration, and it's also not Gauntlet, and it's also not Robotron, and it's not these other things. How can you fit a story into this type of action game? But you get it. You really get what's happening. Is it like a movie? No. But it's like a part of a movie. So it's this really weird game of its own, I think. Like Marble Madness was. Yeah, it feels like one long action sequence. Yeah, yeah, because you're trying to escape. (laughs) Oh, All right, I think that wraps it up. Because everybody wants to hear more Mr. Lobo. Let's face that. So yeah. that's Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. I never thought that we would review this because I thought it was a popular game. Just like I think every game is popular until I realized that very few people have played a lot of these titles. And Even fewer now because more people have been born. Right. Right. Thank you all our new listeners. I hope that you enjoy the work safe environment that we provided for you today. I hope you enjoyed uh, Bring Your Child to We Talk Games Day. <laughs> we were work safe for so many years, hundred hundreds of episodes, and then when we switched to Arcade Weekly, we just decided, you know what, nah, we're going to play Wall Street. Kyle's got a curse. Okay, everybody, hey, go to anything that says We Talk Games, and that's us. There might be another thing called We Talk Games, and if there is, then send them a denial of service. No one needs that drama. Yeah. I hope that you like us. Back to Mr. Lobo. We will be on the show next week, both Chris and I, to wrap up. We're ending on a strong game. Yeah, it's going to be a good night. <laughs> wrap up. Oh, my God. Wait till I tell you what a night it was. Wrap up with uh, our next title, which Mr. Lobo will also spoil for you. Okay, everybody. I hope that you like us. Bye-bye. This is Commander Lobo of the Starship Spooktacular 2017 from the We Talk Games Galaxy. Stardate Week 3. Our mission? Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. 1989 from Atari. Look out! Next week, we creep you out with a little something called... Mutant Knight. An arcade platform shooter from 1987. Until then, all systems go as we take over your puny world. (laughs) Maybe I should have said game over.